0: chris take two what's up man hey what's up uh so you already know this because we already tried recording but i'm gonna i'm gonna pretend you don't know this so i am running a rate task trying to get sixty thousand records but i can only get them 100 at a time while being rate limited
1: man that's an aggressive rate limit you know
0: well it's not bad it's like you get 100 requests a minute it's like but I, I just, there's so many records I have to get.
1: Okay. A hundred minutes, not horrible, but it's still like, there's no batching. That sucks.
0: I'm on page 303 and I have 620 pages to get through.
1: <laughs> is it, is it, here's the real question. Is it rate limiting by API token or is it rate limiting by IP address? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> Cause I, then you could just spin up the same script on a bunch of machines and then hit them simultaneously.
0: <laughs> by the time I did that. I could have just waited for this job to run.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs>
0: yeah. But it's, it's just one big while loop that sleeps every two seconds. It's magical.
1: There you go. You can run it while we're recording a podcast. There you go.
0: That is the, Multitasking. the today. <laughs> um, and today we are not alone. We have we have guests.
2: Hi, Lynn. Hey. how are you doing?
0: We're we are fantastic and happy that you were able to join us.
2: Yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing good. So um, let me introduce myself, and I'm going to throw out like a million things, and then I'm sure we're going to have a ton to talk about. Um, so, hey guys, I'm Brittany Martin. I'm the host of the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm the lead web developer for the Pittsburgh Cultural Trust. Day-to-day, I work with Ruby on Rails to sell tickets for the Symphony Ballet Opera. I also consult for Shine Registry, which is a female-centric registry that helps um, small businesses get off the ground. My big claim to fame is that I play roller derby as Norma Skates. I play for two separate leagues and... I love, I love hitting people, so. <laughs> <laughs> trying to dodge being hit. So, And then um, I, I'm also AWS certified. I just re- returned from Vegas from reInvent. So yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast.
0: Yeah, it's we're good. glad to have you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. I actually had a slot machine sound effect, which would have been perfect, but I didn't Not. think we'd talk about Vegas.
2: <laughs> My other claim to fame is that I have listened to all of the remote review podcasts and I've made it to the John Cena section. So.
0: <laughs> Got it. Got it. All right. Um, well, thank you for joining us. I, I totally messed up and i was like hey you still good last week and you're like uh what (laughs) so sorry about that um a couple of things i just wanted to chat with you about uh we got to meet at both chris and i got to meet you at southeast ruby
2: Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Um, gave a fantastic talk if i'm not mistaken i remember you had like these like jokes in your slide and like People didn't get them, and I was just sitting there like chuckling my head off. Uh, I think we may even talked about that, but it's fantastic. You're a great speaker, and awesome.
2: so I'm glad I to have that. You. I work on a very small team at the trust. It's just three of us. I do back end. My partner does front end, and then my boss is the director of e commerce, and he does all the QA and product management. And we are the cheesiest people. I mean, we are bad dad jokes all day. And so when that leaks into my slides, like I'm very proud of myself, but it's bad because I'll practice in front of the two of them. They'll think it's hilarious. And <laughs> other people just don't get my humor. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Crowds are crowds are tough. They're hit or miss. For sure. <laughs> I one time ended a, uh, a talk with a slide that I thought was just going to like kill. It was uh, Jeb Bush saying, please clap. And like I just heard somebody go oh, and that was it. <laughs> All this bombed. Um, so you for- need to always
1: have a, you need to always plant someone in the audience and have them tell them when to laugh really loud
0: and just like yeah. overkill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what two sound effects I got today? Um, so you are doing the Ruby on Rails podcast, which, if I'm not mistaken, is a Podcast has existed for a while, right? Like you weren't the first host.
2: Absolutely not. It has been going on for many, many years on the Five by Five Network. I started listening to it when uh, Sean Devine was running it, and he was just such a great host. And he would bring on a lot of interesting interviews. And then he actually ended up moving it to more of like a co-host situation, and that's where he. Brought Kyle Daigle on, and basically the podcast was just them talking back and forth, very similar to this podcast. And I, I really enjoyed it because you know I learned how to code about five years ago, and so when I was on like the elliptical, I would be listening to them, or after a meetup, I'd be listening to them, and then eventually Sean moved on, and Kyle, you know, started bringing on other people as hosts, and you know, at one point during an episode, he said. Hey, I'm looking for more people. And I was like, you know what? Total imposter syndrome, but I'm just going to reach out and say, hey, um, I would like to try. And he ended up bringing me on. And so I ended up being a co host for uh, a couple of months on the podcast, which was really exciting for me because at the time I was a boot camp instructor and, you know, being able to tell my students that I was doing this and it was just, it was a lot of fun. But, you know, Microsoft, you know, acquired GitHub and that's where Kyle is an engineering manager at and you know things just got really busy for him. So the, the podcast really kind of went away for I want to say about eight months. And so wow. I to Kyle and I was like, Hey, you know, I, I really believe in this. There if you look out there, there are very few podcasters specifically for Ruby on Rails. There's a decent amount for Ruby, but not specifically for Rails. And so I asked him and I said, Can I can I take over? And he said, Sure. And so I have, I've done eight episodes so far and it's, it's been really fun. That's awesome.
0: So that trying to do the math in my head, um, that would mean, so you started being a co-host about a year ago.
2: Yeah. About a year ago. Yep. That's totally right.
0: Cool. Well, that's awesome. Uh, have you had any like favorite guests on so far?
2: Oh, um, Eileen, uh, Eileen Coates, who's a pretty well-known rails contributor. She was fantastic. But one interesting thing that I'm trying to do is I try to b- bring on some famous people from the community just because I know that's going to bring in listenership. But I'm also trying to find people out into the community who would never have been on a podcast before. So I spoke recently at RubyConf Malaysia, and I, th- there was just this fantastic talk about GraphQL um, by this woman named Ankita. And so I ended up you know setting up a time. She lives in Singapore. And recorded a podcast with her and she was amazing and she's just someone that you never would have heard from so it's been an interesting mix of of guests so i'm always open to feedback on that so topics and and i already told you before the show that uh you mentioned the new jets framework and i've already talked to the f- uh founder and gonna have him on the next week's podcast sweet
1: yeah i i wanted to mention you know like the I think Jason and I talked, uh, you know, off air about this recently. Um, but basically, you know, like just asking for things, you know, it gets you so far. And that's one of the things that I feel like we were always like nervous about, you know, could, could I be on the podcast and, you know, like, what would I talk about? I don't know. And, uh, just asking sometimes, you know, gets you so much. And so I think it's really cool that you were like, Hey, uh, I, maybe I'll try this. And then here you are, you're running the podcast now.
2: Absolutely. It, it's been a big theme in my life, really. <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys can agree to this, but I feel like a lot of things that have been positive in my life has just been asking a little question and then it just going from there. It's amazing mm-hmm. how many opportunities come up where the person just, they're so busy. It just doesn't occur to them to offer it to you. And if you spend your entire life just waiting for someone to offer you an opportunity you're going to spend a lot of time just scrolling through Facebook, just hoping and wishing.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's so many times when, you know, that happens. Like I get people that email me randomly from go stuff and we end up becoming friends or whatever, because you know, they just wrote me an email out of the blue and um, I may not have even known them before.
0: That's how we met.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Like Jason, you wrote me and asked me if I was gonna be going to RailsConf when it was in Kansas City. And I wasn't, but uh I drove out there anyways just so we could meet. And then here we are. Isn't that crazy?
0: We had beers oh. at that fancy chip machine place where you like Oh yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Sorry. Um That's that's a really good point when you're talking about like just if you sit and wait, like you're not going to get very far. And that's something I struggle with a lot um, because like my anxiety keeps me from wanting to kind of be a go-getter really like, Oh, like people are going to like think I'm an idiot or like they're going to judge me or, you know, think I'm, yeah, I'm dumb. And, uh, but for the most part, like when I've asked people for things like, there was an uh, example one time, like, I really wanted to get an open source. And so I just started submitting pull requests to this project that, like, weren't necessarily improvements, but I, like, thought they would be. And they kept getting rejected. So, like, I just emailed the owner of the repo. And I was like, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm just trying to get an open source and I need help. And, like, this person left, like responded with, like, paragraphs and paragraphs.
1: And <laughs> that's a that's awesome
0: wouldn't have happened had I not like taken the time just to ask. So
2: Absolutely. Right. And specifically our community. I mean, I love Ruby so much and I just feel in particular, the people that I interact interact with in that community are so kind. Um, you know, this has been the year of speaking for me. I've spoken, I think at six different conferences and I will tell you what I spent years submitting talk proposals and getting rejected. So if anybody is discouraged about not getting speaking opportunities, just keep at it. Um, the best advice I can give you is to just keep up, keep coming up with topics and then vetting them with people that are non-technical. So I go to my friends and say, hey, I'm thinking about speaking about this. You don't know anything about this, but on the surface, does this sound interesting? And then that was really how I got, I, I started to come up with better talk topics. Also, submit uh-huh. just one proposal always submit multiple proposals.
1: Those are both good pieces of advice there. Um, I like the idea of talking to people who aren't, who have have no idea about what you're talking about because that, that definitely makes it, you know, much more beginner friendly. Uh, You're making way less assumptions that way when you're writing your proposal that way.
0: That's cool. So you said you've been to six conferences Uh, have you given the same talk at each or have you had different talks at all of them?
2: Yeah, good question. I was just looking over this the other day. Um, It was half and half. So the first half of the year was a talk called Draw a Crowd. I did an open source project for mental health. Basically, it was a real-time map where it was an art installation. So it was built into the cultural district where I work. Um, the, my work was very generous in giving me a space in order to have this art installation. But using Action Cable, um, users would submit their um, experience with mental health, and then that would appear as a puzzle piece onto this real-time map. And so this is an open source project that, where we have the eventual goal of having other cities and locations like using this art installation to basically distill the stigma around mental health. And so I spoke about half of the year with that talk. And then um, if you listen to the Ruby on Rails podcast, you've probably heard me talk about how we had the Hamilton on sale this year, which is the biggest on sale that our website has ever had. We had 300,000 people try to get tickets at once. And so my talk for the second half of the year was talking about how to handle bad users and not necessarily trap them out of your website, but how to gracefully degrade their experience on your website.
0: Yeah, I remember that the security talk coming through the Southeast Ruby CFP and like, you know, you get a good handful of security talks, but it was like the title was Rails Against the Machine. Is that the name of it?
2: Yes, it was. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I was like, okay, like that caught my attention. And then it was like, this sounds like a fun talk. So yeah, that's cool.
2: I will tell you my secret weapon. And I don't know about you guys. I actually don't know your formal backgrounds, like how you became developers. But I am not, I was not a traditional developer. I have a degree in marketing. And so I spent many years in marketing and product management. And then I went through a boot camp and became a developer but every once in a while, especially with like writing talks, I'm like, I'm gonna pull that marketing hat back on and like really, you know, because it is a skill that usually is not so celebrated in the technical community, and I think it's something that we should be excited about. Should people have those skills?
1: Yeah, uh, there's whatever bias that developers. I remember going through school for computer science and just being like oh, we're developers, we don't like English classes and whatever else, and we try and avoid this at all costs. And looking back, I'm like, that was really dumb. Like, writing is probably more important than the code you can write in a lot of cases. Like, being able to communicate is far, far more important. You know, so I I think things like marketing and all that tend to, developers just tend to write off these other skills, and that's definitely not a good thing in the
2: long run. Well, plus Chris, you're running a business. Like, I mean, that is not mm-hmm. that you can learn, you know, in a computer science degree. So I'm sure you've lot, learned a lot, like trial by fire. But um,
1: yeah, and it's obviously- it's just slow to teach yourself a lot of those things. But yeah, you have to, you know, I, I feel like one of the complaints I have of a lot of developers is a lot of them don't think about the business. They think about just solving the problem they're given, and I'm like you know you could solve this 50 different ways but you should think about what's best for the business and then i feel like those developers are the ones that are can be the best paid the most well paid cuz they're thinking about those business decisions they're probably also going to be the ones that are better to manage you know more developers as you grow in your career and stuff you know thinking about all that
2: i totally agree
0: yeah i wish that so i i took a kind of informal path in like chris like i did cs classes but i was a dropout but like i i think about going back to school and i always think if i go it would be for like business or something
2: i recommend it but honestly the most that i've learned is just from trying to get like businesses going on my side like just by like doing it in real life and it, it's it's tough because for me even coding wise i don't learn things unless i have to so like with chris like he needs to like pay his server costs like there's no like Messing around with mm-hmm. all that has to be done, right? You Which have is to make your bills. So, like, it's 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 much more. And I have a hard time with like a test scenario. Actually, like learning from it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. That's if I don't have a purpose for learning something, it it just makes it that much less interesting, and I get distracted and whatever a lot easier. Um, and then that, that's one of the things that I was. Uh, consulting before i started GoRails, and i was always working on stuff on the side because i you know was always trying to start a business but i actually january 1st of well, like 2014 i like quit consulting cold turkey i had whatever savings i had and i was like i'm gonna make this work and i was kind of like if i burn my bridges i'm gonna force myself to learn this stuff and uh it didn't really work out over those nine first nine months but I eventually started to get some momentum, but I ran out of savings and had to get a job for a year. But it did, you know, force me to learn a lot of that
2: stuff that I wouldn't have otherwise. Was it stressful knowing that you had that on you? And like, do you do you ever feel stressed that people see the, the success you've had and think that it was easy? Because I mean, it sounds like it was really hard.
1: Oh, yeah. It's so funny when people are like, Oh, you must make so much money, and it must be so easy. And you're like, you realize that it takes, you know, Ryan Bates had said on uh, for RailsCast, like a video could take him 40 hours. And I'm like, oh yeah, if you're doing a topic that you aren't super familiar with, 40 hours is, you know, to make like a 15 minute video at the end of 40 hours of work, like that's uh, very common. Luckily, some of them are easier if you know the the topic well, but. You know, you not only have to do that, but you have to figure out how to share it and do you get people to come to your site and then even, you know, give them enough where they're like, oh, maybe this is worth paying for, which is a whole other thing you have to worry about. So, yeah, it was a, it was a whirlwind of things to learn.
0: I don't know. I so I just, still think it's money bags all over.
2: Jason, so how did you get into web development then?
0: Uh, so I started off, I like, tricked the music store I worked at in high school, uh, that I had built websites before. And I was like, yeah, I'll build a website. And then I was like, okay, now what do I do? And so I learned front end development. And I had a friend who was at the time an ASP classic developer. So he like helped me with some back end stuff there. But I spent like six or seven years just doing front end. I was mostly into music. Like music was my life. And then I burned out and found programming in like a net class at college. And I was like, this is awesome. And then did some school was really bad at math real bad. And said, you know, this is a lot of money that I am paying to this institution for being here. Like three years past what a normal person is at school for. So I dropped out and around that time, I started getting into like rails. I had actually just got my first job as like a WordPress dev and then got out of WordPress, moved into rails and here I am.
2: I think that's awesome because people love to complain about WordPress and you can like actually legitimately complain about it. I've, I've actually never had to use it, but it's like such an old thing. Like it's such a thing that people use. They're like, well, at least it's not WordPress. So
0: <laughs> yeah. WordPress is such a fascinating like world. It is. Uh, yeah, like, Chris and I have talked about it, like, the the idea that, like, you can make these plugins, and they actually, like, solve really, pr- like, really hard problems really easily, but they're like, pay us, and I'm like, yes, I'll pay you $100 a year for this thing, because it saved me, like, hours of my time.
2: Absolutely. No, that's right. awesome.
1: Yeah, I feel it it's kind of strange that we don't have sort of the equivalent in Rails. There's so much more of like a oh, I can build it myself and it's like yeah, but do you want to? Like, like we when really the only thing we have that I see commonly is like, you know, people pay for Sidekick, but there's not a whole lot of other things. There there's more around error and performance monitoring, but you know, there's not there's not a whole lot of options, which seems strange.
2: No, you're right, and we actually just became paid users of Sidekick because for Hamilton we couldn't. We needed the ability that if Redis were to falter, that the jobs would store, and you know we would get the oh, right. information's out. And so we became Sidekick Pro users, and I'm I'm happy to pay him that because I mean he does an incredible job. But you're right, all other Ruby on Rails costs are going to AWS, uh, Honey Badger, Skylight, New Relic, and that got mm-hmm. yeah, it.
1: Yeah. feels like we should have more like Laravel just announced their, uh, their admin interface. It's like a hundred bucks. I don't know if it was a year or whatever, but it's like, well, we don't really have a good admin interface in rails. And I think if people were willing to spend a hundred bucks on something like that, we would have a phenomenal one. If someone's, if that was someone's job making an admin, that would be so much better quality. So I would love to see that evolve in the community, you know?
2: I agree.
0: The other thing is that like, uh, I'm I'm really happy to like, I'm really happy to pay someone like for things that make my life easier. So if that was Ruby, that'd be awesome. But at least like I understand Ruby better than I understand WordPress. (laughs) Uh, Like I used to try and make my own plugins like for the websites I was building. And like, it's just a mess. So, (laughs)
1: As I imagine it's way, uh, way more complicated for everybody now that um, what was it Gutenberg the React front end is shipped. I can only imagine how much like chaos that's caused for them.
0: So I like one of our first episodes. I talked about moving my blog to Jekyll. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then I didn't write a single blog post after I did it because like I didn't want to like <laughs> pull the repo down like I. It just—it actually seemed like more hassle, so I just moved it back to WordPress. And the next day, WordPress five came out, and dude, it uh, Gutenberg's pretty sweet. So, well,
1: that's good to hear. I—I I had not heard. Uh, most of it was complaints about change. You know, people just didn't want want things to change, and I was like, well, whatever. Like, w- one thing about Ruby is like. I've been always impressed with how willing the community is to adopt the latest Ruby and the latest rails and all of that. Like people upgrade pretty consistently. Cause when I came from, I came from Python before I was doing Ruby oh. and you know, Python three was out for years and no one was upgrading. And I was like, Oh my God, this is ridiculous. Like no one's willing to upgrade ever. And even still there's stuff on Python too. Oh yeah. And like, that was that was just the thing that I loved about the Ruby community. Like the latest and greatest stuff we could actually enjoy. Okay. That was fantastic.
2: People just learn the flags of when you're creating new Rails project to remove the things that they, the new features that they don't want.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is hilarious. But, you know, at least they get to take advantage of some of it. And then over time they can, you know, take more time to learn Turbolinks or whatever it is that they're struggling with. And then it becomes easier when you've got like stimulus solves kind of all the front end JavaScript problems that Turbolinks introduced just took a long time for them to come out with that. But you know, it, it slowly allows you to adopt all those new things.
2: Absolutely. We, we maintain four different rails applications at the trust. And when I came in, the main application was being upgraded from two to four. And that was rough. But then once we got that, Ooh, yeah. I've been able to keep it up. So I mean everything's on five two now, which is nice.
1: Um Yeah, I remember using uh I think I started Rails before Bundler, where it was like config.gems or something where you listed the gem dependencies in one of the Rails config files.
2: <laughs> oh, that's funny.
1: Yeah. Luckily Bundler exists.
2: Do you I
0: would like to talk more about that? art project that you did.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um,
0: uh, so is that like your your brainchild? Like, were you the only person who did this project?
2: No, such a good question. So uh, I'm, I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we had every single year there is a nonprofit hackathon uh, called Steel City Hacks. And what they do, and this is my favorite kind of hackathon. I used to be a hackathon junkie before I actually became a developer, which is really funny. Um, I would go in as like a business person. But um, (laughs) so much more fun once you know how to code. But I don't like going to hackathons where I'm not given any direction as to what to build. I like to build things that actually matter and are actually going to be used. And so this hackathon, you got partnered with a nonprofit. And so we partnered with a consultancy called McCoy uh, Creative. And they had come up with this concept. And what was even better is that Jason, who's the head of the consultancy, is a UX designer. And so he was able to give us all the assets, which is so helpful when you're building a project uh, to not have to pull a designer uh, to do that kind of thing. So it ended up being a team of six. We competed. We did not win, but we really believed in the project. And so we ended up, of course, scrapping it and starting over again because nothing you build over a weekend is normally what you actually want. And so my partner at the trust, Danielle Greaves, and I restarted the app and have been working on it since.
1: That's awesome. I, uh, I haven't gone to too many hackathons recently, but, uh, I used to go to some startup weekends in St. Louis and oh man, I, those are still some of the places where I had the most fun and like met people who've been longtime friends since then. I really, really like that sort of, you know, get together and then go do something over a weekend mentality. It's so
2: much fun. I agree. I did a hackathon in San Francisco. I spent two years in San Francisco. I wanted to see what the tech community was truly like out there. And I recommend maybe not necessarily moving there, but giving it a visit for sure. It's it's weird (laughs) to train and seeing people scream about QA. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. It is amazing. But um, I was at this hackathon in San Francisco and there was a group of um, men next to me and they had this like very strict schedule as to how they were going to develop their app. And they had a sleep schedule where every six hours, two of them would go to sleep and then two of them would be awake. And supposedly their app would be being worked on this entire time. Well, their schedule was so good that the two sets never spoke to each other. And so they assumed that one another was doing the work. And so at the end of the hackathon, they had built nothing. (laughs)
1: that's funny yeah we we had similar things like that happen on on hours where it was like you know oh i thought you guys were doing this and then it's like an hour before the demo and it's like oh we have nothing uh
2: (laughs) so going back to contextual camouflage which is the name of the project um it is very simple uh it can be hosted on heroku i love those heroku buttons that you can add into your github readme's
1: Oh yeah, those are
2: great. And they're so great because granted, once you get like attached to Heroku and you, you know, you have a production app running on there, it can get very expensive. But I mean, Heroku's solid. So if you're looking for like something lightweight, Heroku can be really great. And so those buttons are really helpful. But um, it was it was nice because I've always wanted to speak at RailsConf, but I've again imposter syndrome, it just seemed like a very scary thing to apply for. But they had a new track this year called um, Unusual Rails Applications. And so um, I was like, hey, I mean, this is pretty unusual. You know, the people are using action cable in production. Boom, boom, right there. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, But, but, um, you know, I applied and, and got into it. There was only maybe four speakers in that track and it was a lot of fun. What was funny though is you know you know how at the beginning like at the front of the room they typically have those like very large signs as to like what sessions are in that room. Mm-hmm. I approached them after and I was like, "Can I have my sign?" And they're like, "Um, that sign's like 15 feet tall." And I was like, "Yeah, I want it." <laughs> <laughs> I there's pictures of me dragging it down the street back to my office because RailsConf was in Pittsburgh this year, and so yeah, it's mounted behind my desk and it looks absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're lucky that it was in Pittsburgh.
0: <laughs> it's so wild because, like, yeah, we were we were both at RailsConf. We had no idea. Like, I had no idea who you were then.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I am still like um making my way, way into the community. It was it was weird the other day when I got introduced as a speaker, and they're like, "You know her as the voice of the Ruby on Rails podcast." I'm like, <laughs> that's cool. People listen to that. Like-
0: <laughs> yeah. We look at our downloads and we're like, oh, like, I don't know if they're listening, but people do download this. Like, I guess it's worth keeping going. Well, yeah, we just assume you're all bots.
2: <laughs> well, you're talking to <laughs> a listener right now. So, it, it, it
0: are you a bot? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, the other thing I was like really interested to talk to you about is your AWS certification.
2: Yeah. So,
0: so. AWS, like to this day, like I'll use it like S3 and stuff, but it scares the mess out of me. Like you open the menu and it takes over the entire screen and like scrolls. So like, do you know about all of that?
2: I don't know about all of it i so number one i have a theory that aws makes their console scary on purpose so that non-technical people don't go in there i i have this theory Mm -hmm. and i also think it's a stickiness thing because once it's almost like a it's like microsoft word you know how some people like can't function without microsoft word i feel that aws does that where like people are like oh i know where to click so i can't ever go to google or azure uh, for hosting just because i'll be confused (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, <laughs> but um, at the the trust, our uh, sysops, um, the our director of cloud infrastructure, there is I think seven certifications in AWS, and he has all of them, which is pretty impressive. Jeez. So when I came in, um, the trust was. Pretty, getting pretty involved with AWS, and so both my boss and I decided it would be good for us to um, to get certified, just so that we could understand the ecosystem of where we were deploying to. So I'm a certified developer, which is one of the I'm not going to say easier certificates, but it's a certificate that's focused specifically on developer tools like CDNs, hosting, um, you know, uh, CI. Uh, deployment tools. I I think it's really amusing that AWS has their own version of GitHub. I will never use it, but it is definitely out there. It's called uh, CodeCommit.
1: Mm, Yeah, yeah. I remember Uh, that. They have so many services these days.
2: We use 33 of them. um, Jeez.
1: How does it... Do you have unexpected bills sometimes? yeah, from like
2: well, not unexpected, but I mean, again, for Hamilton, we had to scale up so much, and it wasn't even the on sale that we had to scale so much for, but we spent like a good year and a half just making sure that our system was resilient against um, attacks and again, mm-hmm. just high traffic, and so we would scale up and do a lot of load testing, and that's what really gets you because you're not even making money on load testing.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're traffic. just spending burning money. <laughs>
2: <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> A but the good news is, is that, you know, you're only going to go through so many Hamiltons in your life. Um, but now our system's better than ever. And, you know, I'm really proud of the fact that I can say like our site is built on Ruby on Rails and it was able to handle traffic. So yeah. called rails can scale. You heard it here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah so yeah. either, like with the hosting on AWS using like ec2 instances things like that yep,
2: yep. we use a uh, code pipeline so anytime we uh, we merge into our staging branch or our master branch we use something called code pipeline and what it does is it will pull that new code from github and then it will run um, our CI tests using code build and then it uses a thing called code deploy which is an agent that lives on the servers and it deploys out to that so um, I don't know about you guys, but I have I am not a huge fan of what is the deployment tool that everyone uses for Rails that starts with a C. Capistrano. Capistrano, not a fan. So that was one of the first things I ripped out of the app when I joined the trust. I just I've always had it's it's always felt like a deck of cards to me where I'll deploy Capistrano, something's wrong, and people are like, oh, you didn't remember to move that one file over every time we do a Capistrano deployment. Like what? And so. I didn't want to have to maintain that kind of um, app code in the application anymore. I'm more than happy to offload that to AWS because it does such a reliable job of deploying out our code to the right servers. That's cool. Yeah, and so it helps us too because um, we use Lambda, which is their uh, serverless, uh, pretty pretty famous serverless function, uh, to take a server, we deploy the code to it, and then we actually copy that server into an auto scale group. And then we deploy, we then scale out that server across all of our, and then we, it's almost like a blue green deployment. And then we retire our old servers. And so, I mean, that's not something that I'm going to be able to do with Capistrano. So we've been pretty happy with our AWS setup, but you know, AWS has us where they want them, where they want us because we're sticky to AWS at this point.
1: Yeah, there's no migrating
0: that off to another service.
2: Absolutely. Plus, they they won't honor my certificate, and that's just completely. (laughs)
0: Let's get (laughs) down to the the real reason here.
2: So real reason is that when you're at reInvent, which is their massive Vegas conference, um, there is a lounge for certified. <laughs> certified <laughs>
1: you can get one <laughs> at the airport, too. I
2: would. That would be <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> that would be a smart move, actually. That conference is getting so big. I think this year there were 42,000 people at the conference. Whoa, that's nuts. I mean, when you go between talks, you're looking at at least a mile walk in order to get between sessions. You start having to book your sessions based on where they are, no longer on the topic. Whoa. Like, it, it's pretty nuts. So I really think at some point they're going to have to break it up into like different different countries or something because it is absolutely crazy. But it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I love going to reinvent so. One funny trick about reInvent, so here's my insider tip for people who ever are going to attend reInvent or are interested, always sign up for a vague workshop towards the end of the week. So if you see a workshop that says something like machine learning or deep learning and it has zero information about it, always sign up for that workshop because throughout the week they make exciting announcements. And this year they announced their, um, their deep learning car. So it's like an actual toy car that you can, um, it has a simulator on it. And so you can teach this toy car to drive around. And since I signed up for that vague workshop, it became that toy car workshop. And I got a free car and they are going to sell those for $500 a piece. So That's awesome. yeah, it's very cool. The car is sitting right next to me. I have not set it up yet, but I'm going to, they provide stickers. So that way you can really like make your car look rad. <laughs> but, um, that was a nice surprise. And then something you guys touched on is that they are going to be supporting Ruby in Lambda, which is awesome. Um, it's something I've been begging for for years. They've always supported go, Python, .NET, Java, C++, like, but they've never supported Ruby. And so every year I'm like, this is the year they're going to announce Ruby. And everyone tells me, oh, it's not exciting enough. They're not going to announce that. And when they announced it on stage, I went, I love bananas.
0: So. Punching all those people that rely. He'll never be there.
2: No, the problem is, is that everyone turned to me and they're like, when are you going to turn our application into serverless? And I'm like, oh yeah, I don't have that. that.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I like, we use some AWS in my previous job. My, I guess CTO there. It's like really, really like, Levels above me, like the way he thinks, and he knows like AWS, like inside and out. And he'd be like, "Yeah, we'll just do this." I can't even like fake the terms, uh, and I was like, "Cool, man, whatever, whatever you say." Well,
2: uh, I was gonna say I like to think it's my superpower because um, you guys might not know this, but I really don't do much front end. So like CSS and JavaScript mm-hmm. are definitely my arch nemesises. Nemesis. So whoever does that, I give you so much respect and accolades. I pretty much stay in Ruby, but my superpower is that I also can do DevOps as well. So instead of going to the front, I just go further into the back. So give me databases all day. Give me math. I'm happy. Ask me to style a bullet point and you have got me. I can't do it. So (laughs) we all have our skills. Exactly.
0: We'll have to have you back on to... Just talk with Chris about Hatchbox and AWS.
2: That'd be awesome. I mean, uh, Chris and I met when I was working customer support for a hosting company.
0: So yeah, we one. Yeah,
1: I remember that. Yeah, that when was that? That was quite a while ago.
2: It was. It was Uh, in twenty fifteen. Yeah, Uh, yeah, twenty fourteen. Yep, you
1: are right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was, and then it wasn't until Southeast Ruby that we got to meet in person.
2: Ruby friends.
1: Yeah. I w- Earlier when um, Jason mentioned the six conferences, I thought he was going to ask you, uh, you know, you've went to six conferences this year. And why was Southeast Ruby your
0: favorite? <laughs> well, it. Yeah, Chris, is it. go ahead. <laughs> you
2: no, know I, I honestly, completely honest, Southeast Ruby was absolutely one of my favorites. I have learned that small conferences are my thing. And I made such amazing friends at Southeast Ruby. Like, there were a couple of dinners that I just went out to that I just, I made such incredible connections. And it, it just, it was a very accessible uh, conference. I thought you did a wonderful job, Jason. I would absolutely come back again. And I'm going to definitely recommend other people to attend. Um, I thought you, as an organizer, it was, it was really well done. So you should be really proud of yourself for that.
0: Well, I, I really appreciate that. That means a lot. There was one other thing and I lost it. I don't know. I got nothing.
2: All right. <laughs>
0: Dang it. What was it? You, you took me aback by your kind words about the conference. Uh, I don't remember. Anyway, this has been fun. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Yes, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me and, you know, keep up the great podcast and, Just remember, no matter what, you always got this listener. So if you ever want to (laughs) record, record, just know that Brittany's waiting. And so (laughs) get to it, guys.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks
2: again. And we will all chat soon. Sounds great. Bye, everyone. Happy holidays. See ya.